There we go. Cool. I just really appreciate you uh, taking the time to a Scott. I just want to say thanks. It's uh, something that since getting my certification with the ISSN, it's been something that was kind of like the, uh, the start of the end game, I guess, was to kind of really, of course, with all the studying you have to do to get into, into getting the certification, I, your name comes up all the time. You know, uh, Jose's name comes up all the time and many, many, a few, many others. So I was like, I want to start picking some brains. And I thought they would just perhaps some, some of you guys are so forthcoming when it comes to information as well. So I just really want to thank you for, uh, for being, uh, having the time to, to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime I get to talk about creatine, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> pumped. So I'm happy to do it. That's awesome. So before we even get into any of this kind of stuff, so what kind of, what really drew you to creatine, I guess, in particular, when it came to studying any supplement that you could? Yeah. So I'm a scientist and I enjoy sport nutrition, but one of the supplements that's kind of consistently showing a benefit is creatine. So I've studied lots of other supplements. Um, but, uh, I, I think what's really attracted me to creatine and in particular is just that it actually works yeah. and it seems to be working in a variety of different tissues as well. So that also gets me pretty excited as well, that it's not just beneficial for muscle, that it could also impact, uh, yeah, other things like bones or brain health, or I'm sure we'll get into those. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited about a lot. So what my view on sports nutrition is I feel many times are the, the field get so kind of like hyper-focused on muscle protein synthesis and hypertrophy that there is an abundant of other uses when it comes to supplements from all kinds of uses, just as you mentioned, to just recovery, better sleep. I think it all attributes to athletic performance. And I think we kind of, we get a little too targeted when it comes to just growing muscle. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's a lot of researchers out there that that measure like muscle protein synthetic response and that's useful information. Um, but even translating, translating that to whole body changes is, um, I think more research needs to be done with longer term studies and actually measure those whole body changes. Just measuring muscle protein synthetic response isn't always the be all and end all. And then also, yeah, just as you mentioned, just enhancing muscle size is not necessarily the most important thing. There's other things as well, um, in improving strength and function mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, in a variety of different populations beyond just athletes. For sure. And for me in particular with the athletes that I typically deal with are hockey players and combat athletes. So um, we, there's an, an optimal size for all of them. So we can't just be about in kind of my own like selfish regard, I guess I'm, I'm pretty concerned about some, some of that stuff where some guys need to make weight. Some coaches are crazy about their guys and gals being a certain weight. So we can't let them get too big. Um, so I love the application, especially reading some of the stuff that, uh, that you've put out. So I've got a super serious question here for you. Um, do you even know how many research papers you've contributed to, or is that just, I, uh, it's approximately 70, uh, peer reviewed okay. publications. So yeah, there's a couple when I started going through, I was like, wow, there's a lot. Yeah, and pro probably most of them are on creatine or about half of them I'd say are focused on creatine. So quite a few studies in that area. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. And just, especially some of like the different studies we've, as you know, as we've seen it throughout the years, 
uh, how beneficial creatine can be for uh, growing muscle and getting you know, uh, larger size and more power, but just the different applications that you have. And some of them that are kind of a little, um, I guess, hit me closer to home as well when it comes to like mental health. Um, so some of that stuff, I like to dig in with you as well, but just to kind of touch on stuff here. So you got your master's in kin at uh, USASC. Yeah. Yeah. So two of my nieces actually are going to go to USASC. One's there now, one starting next year, one for veterinary sciences, the other one for education. Okay. So, yeah. From Ontario, but Hey, let's go you <laughs> I heard they got a new uh, hockey coach as well. Uh, yes. Like, pretty, how crazy is that? There. So yeah, pretty that crazy. Was, I was like, Hey, get someone's autograph for me here, girls. <laughs> yeah. And then you got your PhD at uh, U Alberta. Yep. That's correct. Awesome. And so now you're at Brandon university. So how long have you been there doing uh, in your role? Yeah, I've been here for four years. So yeah, I'm currently an associate professor here. Okay. Um, actually, after I got my PhD, um, I also did the International Olympic Committee Sport Nutrition Diploma, um, which is like a two year, it's fairly intensive program, but it gave me a, a wealth of knowledge beyond just what I studied in my PhD, which was a, a single amino acid, <laughs> um, which is one of the three that make up creatine. And uh, so that was pretty cool. And then obviously I got my uh, uh, International Society of, of Sport Nutrition um, certification as well. Um, so yeah, I've got a, a few other certifications beyond just kind of my PhD, which I think is important. Yeah, I, think, I mean, obviously with the PhD, you're, many get hyper-focused on a singular thing. And for you to say, even just like a singular amino. So uh, to keep spreading from there, I think it's such a fast, like like almost like wildfire. If you have that kind of level of knowledge in something, it's easy if you're open-minded enough to kind of get pulled into to other facets too. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so just for some people may, might watch or listen or whatever, uh, just your on the way that you would explain what creatine is. Okay, so first creatine is not a steroid. So some people, some people out there think it's a steroid. Um, it can help you grow muscles, but it's not a steroid. So it's, it's actually made up of three amino acids. So amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So anytime you eat some sort of protein source, it's made up of different amino acids. So if you take three of those amino acids and you put them together, you can create creatine. So that's one way to do it is just by consuming those amino acids, your body can actually produce creatine. Um, you can also get it in different food sources, things mostly uh, animal-based, so like uh, red meat, beef, uh, for example, um, herring, so certain types of fish have a fairly high amount of creatine in it, um, or you can get it through a supplement as well. Okay, so when it comes to food, because I'm a big fan of getting as much food, I'm a, I'm in, you know, I like eating. So when it comes to like food source, uh, you'd mentioned beef. So is beef like the number one source for creatine if you were to try to get it through just eating alone? Yeah. So uh, probably herring is actually herring? is the highest source. But to most of the studies out there use about five grams of creatine per day. So that's like a, a standard kind of dosing protocol for most of the research literature. To do that with herring, you'd have to consume just over a pound of herring every single day. If you want to do it with beef, you'd have to consume just over three pounds of beef every single day. 
So right. it's, it's probably one of the only supplements where I think it's very difficult to get um, sufficient uh, amounts of creatine from just food sources alone. Like protein, you can do it by eating, you know, good protein sources, caffeine, you can drink coffee, um, but creatine, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to eat that much herring or, or beef or whatever it is every single day to get sufficient uh, quantities of creatine. And I, yeah, and I think that's important to note too, that sometimes when we're looking to get the most out of what we're doing, sometimes as much as I've always kind of preached to, to my clients and, and athletes, of course, get as much as you can from food, but obviously eating three pounds of beef is a, I love steak, but I'm not going to eat three pounds a day. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think creatine is the, I think it's some, the only supplement that you can't get sufficient or optimal quantities from food. So all other supplements, essentially you can, um, maybe there's a couple others out there, but I call creatine the king of supplements for that particular reason. So, and kind of, and touching on that too, because I think it's really important because we keep hearing in the field that they're always literally trying to find the next creatine because it's, you know, very, let's just call it very safe. You know, we can say relatively safe just because we're being, you know, scientific about it, but it's very safe for just about any population. Um, and what, uh, what typical dosing do you recommend getting into when it comes to like outside of loading? Cause we can touch on that in a bit, but just regular dosing, what do you feel is something people should shoot for? Yeah. So for most people, probably just five grams a day is sufficient. But we've actually uh, looked into the dosing protocols a little bit uh, recently. We've actually shown that, for example, in older adults, you might actually need a little bit more than five grams a day to maximize some of the benefits with regards to lower body strength. So we have some data right now that's actually under, under review. Um, so hopefully published relatively soon. Um, that actually shows if you consume a little bit more than five grams a day, it actually helps lower body leg press strength adaptations compared to a lower dose. Okay. That was literally uh, one of the questions that I had too, because, you know, thinking of muscle protein synthesis, it's not as efficient when people get older. So that was one of the questions was, I wonder kind of like picking around if there is maybe a little bit more that uh, an old, cause I'm 46, I'm getting closer to, to 50. So stuff that I want to know for what I'm taking. So I want to get the most out of it too. So that was, uh, you kind of led into one of my questions, which is awesome. Yeah. So I can speak a little bit more about that. So yeah. actually, uh, older adults, there's a, there's a couple studies out there that suggest that they actually have lower amount of creatine within their muscles. Okay. So they might actually respond better to creatine supplementation. And, um, it also might depend on muscle groups as well, but for example, your vastus lateralis. So one of your quadricep muscles particularly in older individuals have lower amounts of creatine in it. So again, that muscle could be important for, you know, faster type movements or more explosive movements using your lower body. And uh, yeah, so it, again, older adults might respond better to creatine than younger individuals. Okay. Um, and that was, so do you feel part of that might be that older individuals typically don't really train much power. So those muscle fibers associated to that may atrophy faster than others. Yeah, absolutely. So as you age, you typically lose type two muscle fibers. And those are like the anaerobic muscle fibers, the fast twitch muscle fibers. 
And again, um, creatine seems to be of benefit for maybe even maintaining those muscle fibers, but seems to be particularly um, beneficial for those muscle fibers. So maybe it can help older adults maintain those fast twitch muscle fibers. So there's actually a, a, my former uh, PhD supervisor, Gordon Bell, did a study looking at responders and non-responders to creatine. And he found two kind of main factors. One was how much creatine you had in your muscles to start out with. So if you had less creatine in your muscle to start out with, you tended to respond better to creatine supplementation. And the other one was more, if you had more fast twitch fibers, you tend to respond better to creatine supplementation. So, and I guess kind of leading into another question that I had, because I've, I've heard you speak about this before on a couple of other podcasts, is vegetarian slash vegans versus um, normally, not just omnivorous eaters. Um, what's your take? I've, I've seen the podcast, but just kind of get everyone to, to touch on that, or for you to touch on that for everyone, I should say. Yeah, so just, so just as I mentioned, responders tend to have less creatine within their muscle. And most of the creatine that we get from our food sources are animal-based. So if you're a vegan or vegetarian, you're not consuming those animal products and um, you have less creatine in your muscles. So there's actually uh, studies looking at omnivores versus vegetarians, and they showed that vegetarians responded better to creatine supplementation. And they actually showed that they got bigger and stronger muscles when you combined it with a training program um, compared to the omnivores. So yeah, so it seems like they respond better than, than uh, meat eaters. All right, awesome. So, and just kind of think of the, that's going to lead me kind of into like the age and the type of diets that people had, but um, some really, because creatine has been around for, since I, I mean, I was a kid and you started hearing about reading it in Muscle Fitness Magazine about, you know, of course, really blowing up what it could do, but then you kind of look back and they really weren't too far off the mark on some of those things, but uh so, but now because there's been so many research papers that like, God, I don't even, you can scroll through forever on PubMed on trying to, I'm trying to see how many uh, papers were done. So, but now we're starting to see some uh, potential benefits for infants, kids, adolescents, uh, and all like, and of course the age as we're going to kind of lead into as well, a little bit more. Um, so kind of almost like age related benefits, if we can kind of touch on that, I think that'd be awesome. So like for infants, what have you seen in your own research or research that you've come across from colleagues, like the benefits for them? Yeah, so I haven't done any research in infants myself, but I've seen some of the literature and it seems to be a benefit for, for example, um, during pregnancy, there's uh, potentially some benefits. Um, so one of the reasons or rationales for it is essentially creatine can be broken down into energy and that's called ATP, and that it could be done so anaerobically, so it doesn't require any oxygen. So for example, during the birthing process, if there's a cutoff in supply to the baby and they don't get enough oxygen, um, if they have more creatine, they can still produce energy and they can perhaps have better outcomes because of that. That's so amazing. There's, yeah, so there's some potential benefits. Again, that's, that's outside of my area, but I've seen those studies. Um, there's definitely some benefits in, in children and adolescents with regards to, again, just enhancing exercise performance, muscle mass, um, uh, whatever it be, strength, adaptations, power, things like that. 
And again, it seems to be ex extremely healthy. There's no real adverse effects. So there's a couple of recent reviews in that area and showing that it's extremely safe. Now, do you feel, uh, okay, it's just a feeling, I'm, I'm, you can, however you want to answer it, but do you feel that like across the board, it's relatively safe because it's just created by aminos? Yeah, absolutely. So your body is naturally producing creatine all the time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so it's, everyone has creatine within their body. So the fact that if somebody's like, oh, you don't supplement with creatine, it's bad for you. Well, you actually have creatine within you already. So, um, and your body's naturally producing it. So if it, if it was that bad for you, why, why would your body naturally do that? Yeah. That's, so that was kind of one of the things I wanted to kind of, I guess, get you to clarify. So once people watching or listening, so they can get a good understanding, just really how safe it really is. Yeah. Um, so, and with teens, I guess some of the effects would be very similar to teens and adults when it comes to just strength and power development. Um, now, do you think that there's some uh, some real benefit because we can put on a lot. I know I did as a teen, I literally went from 125 to 200 pounds over the course of high school. And that was in like early nineties. So, um, do you think to care? And I've carried that muscle into my forties just because I kept training and stuff. But do you think that with those kids using creatine, getting maybe a little bit more muscle, that'd be a little bit more beneficial for them later in life? Possibly. Um, but I'm not hundred percent sure. So obviously most of those gains is just because of normal growth and maturation. And uh, I always suggest to people just even young, like younger children or adolescents, um, just exercise regularly, eat sufficient calories, try to eat a healthy diet. Um, those things are probably gonna have the biggest effect. I don't know if, uh, yeah, putting on creatine and, and putting on the mu muscle mass associated with it, um, there's like a time period to really maximize the benefit. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, okay. possibly, but uh, yeah, usually for adolescents, I, I just su suggest hitting those sledgehammers. So just exercising regularly, um, eating healthy food, getting sufficient sleep, eating enough calories. Those are kind of the main things. And once you're doing that, then maybe you can consider a supplement like creatine that's been shown to be safe and effective. Well, that's awesome. And touching on sleep again, that was kind of another thing I wanted to touch on um, how, or if it does, does sleep impact like the, uh, in, the uptake of uh, creatine? Um, I, again, I don't know the, the answer to that question. You're asking me a lot of tough questions here, uh, <laughs> but there's, there's some pretty cool research to show, uh, some pre-sleep protein, for example. So if you okay. eat, uh, or consume about 30 or 40 grams of protein prior to sleep. Sleep is when a lot of uh, the recovery and repair processes occur. And you could actually get, again, bigger and stronger muscles from just that timing of protein just, just prior to sleep. No one's actually done a, a pre-sleep creatine study. Um, okay. so maybe, maybe we got to do that and, and measure <laughs> muscle protein synthetic response and um, whole body adaptations. But yeah, no one's actually looked at the impact of creatine on sleep that I'm aware of. No, that's cool. Um, so the one that I was I'm super interested in is mental health. Like I had my own struggles really quite a bit early adulthood, uh, went, uh, went through some, some tough, tough times, but then 
didn't really put two and two together, but really seeing that when my diet cleaned up and when I was exercising regularly, of course, I was feeling a lot better. So can you get into some of the research that either you've done or maybe some colleagues have touched on when it kind of relates to like uh, depression, anxiety and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So there's been a couple re really cool studies. Again, uh, not my area of expertise, but I've read these studies and they showed that there was a relationship between how much creatine somebody was consuming in their diet and depression. So that's pretty powerful information. Um, and also a reduction and in anxiety as well. I was fortunate to uh, collaborate on a project recently with stroke survivors. So okay. we uh, basically randomized stroke survivors to either receive creatine and perform resistance training or receive a placebo and perform resistance training. What we, what we found was the group that got creatine, they actually had lower anxiety levels, which was pretty cool. So it seems like more and more research is coming out to support that creatine can be effective for mental health. I've done a few studies looking at the effects of creatine on cognitive function. So we measure things like reaction time or processing speed or decision-making abilities. And there seems to be some benefits um, with regards to creatine to enhance your brain function, which is, again, pretty cool. That's amazing. And I think that kind of leads into sort of like the next area that I wanted to touch on was like intermittent team sports. So like hockey and soccer, where I'm not and I'm not taking away from any sport, the amount of skill you have to play at a certain level. But just think of the, the, the speed of the game when it comes to something like hockey. Um, and has there been much that you've seen or colleagues have done when it comes to creatine in, in hockey players? There's, there's one study I know of, which was done at the University of Saskatchewan. And the, the lead author was uh, Stephen Cornish. He's actually at the University of Manitoba right now. Um, and he looked at creatine in hockey players and showed that it enhanced their muscle performance. Um, but uh, nothing from a cognitive perspective. Okay. So... Again, I think hockey would be a perfect sport where not only do you need those, you know, powerful muscles, but you need to make decisions super quickly and react really quickly as well. And I think that creatine could have a benefit in that particular population. The st only studies I'm aware of, one was done in uh, Muay Thai fighters. Okay. Um, and another one was done in uh, semi-professional mountain bikers. So those are the only two athletic population studies where they've actually measured cognitive function. Um, there was one study in, in rugby players and two in soccer players where they did a more cognitively demanding motor task. So they looked at passing accuracy in rugby and they showed that if they took creatine, their passing accuracy was better than if they just had placebo. Awesome. So, I, th I mean, I think it's be safe to say that we would probably find that in other sports too. Yeah, that's the science. Scientists in me is always skeptical and of I course. want to see the evidence. But uh, yeah, if, uh, if somebody asked me if they're a hockey player, should I take creatine to enhance, you know, skill and also muscle performance? I think the evidence is leaning in that area for sure. I would love to see some, and, and something in goaltenders as well, just with like literally it's a reaction job, right? So I think to see the difference in performance 
by just by taking something as safe as creatine. So we don't have these kids loading up on a pile of pre-workout um, to see, to show them maybe a safer way of something to take instead of dressing rooms filled of like C4 or whatever they're taking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great idea. I should write that down. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> run that study. There you go. Cool. I'm actually, uh, I just received a grant to run a creatine golf study. Oh, cool. Um, so again, golf, I think is a, a, one of those unique sports that requires a lot of kind of coordination um, but also that muscular power as well. So we'll find out if creatine could be a benefit for golf. And uh, I, yeah, it's, it should be a pretty fun study to run. But uh, yeah, I think creatine could be really beneficial for, uh, for goaltenders in particular. That's awesome. No, it's just, again, as I started writing down some of the points that I wanted to cover, I was like, oh, what about players? And then kind of dig deeper into goaltenders and that kind of stuff, just because it's such a reactive position. Um, then something that impacts pretty much any athlete for the most part is going to be like hydration status. So what is your, what have you found or of benefit when it comes to creatine and just um, athletes and individuals just having a better hydration status? Yeah. So there's actually a myth out there that creatine actually causes dehydration and muscle cramps. Um, but that's, uh, that's incorrect. And it actually sucks water into the cells or into the muscle. So Perhaps it could be a benefit to actually have creatine, particularly in a hot environment. And there's a few studies to suggest exactly that, that it's actually um, from a thermal regulation perspective, it's actually better to supplement with creatine. So it does the opposite of what people actually thought. And there's also studies to show that it can reduce muscle cramping as well. So as in football players and they track them over uh, I believe it was just a single season that might have been multiple seasons um, and they measured how much they how many injuries they had and muscle strains and muscle cramps and um, they actually showed that the group that took creatine had fewer muscle cramps um, compared to the group that took placebo so pretty cool for sure and I, then kind of leading into that is one of the I think something that needs to come to the forefront which is is uh, more concussion research um, and obviously dealing with the athletes that I do, that's an unfortunate part of the game, whether it's high speed, like hockey or some of the, uh, the fighters that we would deal with concussions and an unfortunate evil in pretty, in any sport. But, um, how, what have you found that uh, shows treating being beneficial when it comes to either mitigating, uh, those injuries from happening or the return to play? Yeah. So there's, this is a an area that's just prime to conduct research. Um, obviously it's, it's difficult to run like randomized controlled trials yeah. because you'd have to induce concussions or traumatic <laughs> brain injuries on people. Um, but there's, there's some rock research that's really promising where they showed that if they supplemented with creatine, it actually protected their brain when they received a traumatic brain injury. Um, and then there's been two studies that I'm aware of in children um, so they, I think they, it was from two years old to 18 years, 18 years of age, where they looked at um, following a concussion, looking at recovery, and a group that received creatine actually had improvements in some of the recovery symptoms, which is, again, pretty cool. So not only could creatine potentially be protective, it could also enhance recovery following a concussion. Those are the only two studies I'm, I'm aware of. 
And uh, so I think more research needs to be done in that particular area. And I, I know there's people around the world that are currently looking into the benefits of creatine. So I think it's a little bit too early to say that creatine for sure can protect yeah. or improve recovery from concussions, but um, the mechanisms are there and there's growing research in that area to show some, some benefits. Now, I think it's funny that every comp supplement company out there, like I've got my own supplement company. So, you know, we, we keep hearing stuff all the time, but they keep looking for the Holy grail. And it's funny how we've, we, I say we, like I discovered it, but just in, in the business, it's been found decades ago. And it's funny to see kind of like the variations of either creatine or people saying, hey, this is the next creatine, but it never ever is. Or when they try to improve on creatine, they just can't. So do you, can you kind of touch on like some of the things like creatine ethyl ester? So just like another version of creatine and the, uh, just how well that works versus just plain old creatine monohydrate. Yeah, so most of those uh, variations in creatine are to increase creatine uptake, um, but creatine monohydrate is it's almost 99.9% .9 of it is, is taken up anyways. Um, so if you can enhance creatine uptake, maybe you can get the additional 0 0.1 or 0.1%, but uh, is it worth that additional money? And there was actually a recent review that came out in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research where they looked at, you know, is creatine monohydrate still the best? And they showed that no other form of creatine has been shown to be superior to creatine monohydrate. And it's the cheapest form. And we know that it's extremely safe as well. So go with creatine monohydrate right now. That's what the science and the evidence supports. And you'll save money doing so. So is there any time that you think that something like a variation, like a, like when they start tweaking creatine into these other forms or adding stuff to it, is there one of those forms you feel that might be beneficial at certain times? Right now, there's very limited research. There's one that's, um, it combines it with called GAA. I can't pronounce the long <laughs> name associated with that, but uh, they've shown an increase in uptake into the brain. And GAA is a precursor for, um, for creatine. So they've shown that uh, if you take creatine with the addition of this GAA supplement, perhaps you can increase creatine content within the brain. But uh, from a performance standpoint, and um, yeah, there's no evidence right now that that's a, a superior supplement compared to just creatine. So. My answer right now is just stick with creatine monohydrate. It's the safest, it's the cheapest, and we know it's very effective. And it's crazy that something that costs is like 20 bucks, basically, you know, for you think that's going to last you a while. And uh, for something that's going to improve your performance, like, like it does, it blows my mind that people are spending money on all these other supplements. I'm not going to name because I don't want to like, I'm, I'm not going to get sued, but um just instead of just sticking to the basics, I think we get this far departure in our industry of trying to find the next great thing when it's already here. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But yeah, there seems to be some sort of resistance out there for people to accept, you know, the benefits of creatine monohydrate. And like I said, there's lots of myths and misconceptions like dehydration, muscle cramping, it's a steroid, all these things. And 
when you actually look at the science, you're like, wow, this is actually a really safe and a really effective supplement. Well, I feel when they start testing stuff on infants, like I just, I just want to like, let's just kind of think about that for, I'm going to hear the crickets on that, you know, cause you're, you're testing that compound, uh, those amino acids on infants. So I feel if they feel that they can test something on infants, I feel there's a lot of confidence in how safe that product can be. Yeah, absolutely. To run a research study, we have to go through our research ethics board and it's, uh, if there's anything that isn't safe or unethical, um, then yeah, it's going to get shut down pretty quickly. So the fact that that research is being conducted shows that there's sufficient evidence to, so, to suggest that it's, uh, it's very safe. And kind of touching on some of the um, uh, misconceptions, let's think about like women and taking creatine. Um, I kind of run in obviously to a lot of like roadblocks when I start to suggest creatine to some of my women clients. Could you, can you kind of expand on the possible benefits with the, with that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've, I've witnessed that as well. So a lot of my studies, I try to recruit both males and females and um, it tends to be more males that sign up for my studies, but there's actually a lot of benefits um, with regards to creatine, particularly for a, a female population. And I think females are scared of gaining weight. So one of the side effects associated with creatine is a little bit of water retention. But, um, and so, yeah, so right away they're like, oh, I'm gonna gain water weight, I'm gonna gain weight. Yeah, there's no way I'm taking the supplement. But importantly, actually, if you suck water into the cell, that actually stimulates the muscle to grow. So that water retention is actually a good thing um, from a, a muscle growth standpoint. And we've actually shown that, and like I, I mentioned previously, if you take creatine and you perform exercise, you can get bigger muscles. So we know that it helps with hypertrophy, but we've also uh, published a, a study, I think 2019, so two years ago now, um, where we showed that creatine might also be a benefit to help you lose fat mass as well. And so if you can explain to your uh, female clients that creatine is going to help you build muscle and lose fat, like, would you take this? And I think you're going to get the answer of like, yes, that is the supplement that I wanted, that I want. Um, it's going to make me, you know, faster, stronger, um, better body composition and potentially smarter as well. So um, yeah, there's lots of benefits associated with creatine. That's just, and on that, just uh, one of the last articles that I'd seen that, uh, that you, uh, you had part of was changes in fat mass following creatine supplementation resistance training in adults 50 or older. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we looked at all the studies that were published. It was a, like a systematic review. And we put them all together to, because one study can have a little bit of bias and show something, another study can show something else. But what happens when we combine all the studies out there, and I believe there is over 20 studies included. And at the end of the day, what it showed was the group that got creatine lost about a half a kilogram more fat mass than the group that just got a placebo. So again, there's, there's, it's heading in the right direction. That's not a huge amount but it's helping you lose a little bit of fat mass. We know it's helping you put on muscle mass. And so you're getting an improvement in your body composition. I feel like with a group like 
you know, 50 plus where sarcopenia is an issue. So muscle wasting, um, once that becomes an issue, then I think anything on our side, when it comes to preventing that or just gain, whether if I'm not going to get any fatter, I'm, I'd be super pumped <laughs> about that. At some point it stops being about gaining all kinds of size and strength. And at some point for my own experiences, anyways, it's just more about, okay, I've, I've got this now. I don't want to, I'm going to hang on. I'm going to beat the crap out of father time every step of the way. So yeah. anything we can get on our side as like an, as an older guy, then I want that on my side. Yeah. And we've actually done uh, in one of our reviews, we showed that if you took creatine and improved function and the way that function was measured in this, in an older population was sit to stand and it improved sit to stand performance compared to a placebo. So again, there's not only does potentially it help you build muscle, um, help you build strength, but it also enhances your function as well. Awesome. And I also seen, um, the potential benefits for bone health as well. Yeah. So there's kind of two mechanisms. One is an indirect mechanism. So if you make your muscles bigger and stronger, those muscles pull on bones and stress the bone and actually can actually make the bone a little bit stronger. Um, and the other mechanism is a direct mechanism. So they've actually shown in like in cell cultures, what they had was osteoblasts. So those are the bone forming cells. Sprinkle a little creatine on there and it increased the activity of those osteoblasts. So um, there potentially could be some benefit with regards to creatine and bone health, but you have to combine that with exercise. So there was a, a two year study that was done out of Brazil where they gave creatine three grams a day for two years but they didn't do any exercise and they found no benefit with regards to creatine on bone health. But there was a 12 month study that was done at the University of Saskatchewan. And they showed when you combined it with resistance training in postmenopausal women, that uh, it improved bone health and bone strength. Awesome. I just, I think it's crazy that something that we really just first seen the benefits of uh, muscle size and creating, you know, more high, high energy when it comes to ATP is coming so far when it comes to the research that, is, that it's getting done on what's happening now. Um, so when it comes to optimal, like we know it can only, we can only saturate so much, but is there like an optimal time to take creatine? So yeah, the, this is a great question as well. And we've investigated this uh, in a few studies and there was one study that was done where they took a creatine containing supplement. They took half of it five hours before they trained and half of it five hours after they trained. So that was one group. Another group got it half the supplement just before they trained and just after they trained. And the group that took it close to their training session actually got bigger and stronger muscles. So then our question was, okay, like, don't consume it five hours before, five hours after, consume it close to your training. But should you take it before or after training? And there's, there was three studies that were done on this. And when we combined those three studies together, it looked like after was slightly better than before, but it used what's known as a between subject design. So for example, um, if you were in the study, you get randomized to get creatine before training or after training. You would train for, let's say, 10 weeks, and we'd see how big and strong your muscles got. 
I would be another participant, I'd join the study, and I would be randomized to get to creatine before or after training. So if you got creatine after training, I get creatine before training, and we showed that after was slightly better. But is that because we're two different people with different genetics, different protein intake, different sleep, all these other things that can impact muscle growth? And so what we've actually just run, and the paper's accepted but not published yet, um, was a within subject design. So oh, what I did wow. was I made, they trained one side of their body one day and they got creatine before training. They trained the other side of the body the next day and they got creatine after training. And we measured how big their right side got and how big their left side got. Everything was randomized as well. So it wasn't always the same right side, left side. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it actually made no difference with regards to creatine timing. And we've also done a study where we gave creatine during training. And again, it was an effective strategy. So now I suggest just taking it close to training before, during, or after is perfectly fine. You're gonna get the same benefits from a muscle standpoint anyways. And that's what we know um, if you do that. So, which is, I, I think important for people because um, some people like taking it after, some people like taking it before, some people might like to take it during training, all those things work. So whatever fits their lifestyle the best. And I feel we get so, because sports nutrition has been around for a little, not very long, but for, you know, 20 years or so really in the forefront, I think that so many people get more worried about the timing of things instead of like what they're actually doing when it comes to training protocols or what their nutrition even looks like. It's okay, I've got to time my shapes here and here, but meantime, they're smashing pizza and drinking eight beers a, a day, you know? Yeah, so it's crazy. I'm all for it, but uh, maybe not if you really want to get too far ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I can tell you the science actually for creatine, it doesn't matter, just take it close to your training. You're going to get your benefits. Okay, so is there any supplements or anything that might interfere with uh, the uptake of creatine? Yeah, so if you take creatine with carbohydrates and or protein, that's actually gonna enhance the uptake of creatine. Um, so that's probably, again, maybe take it with your protein shake or okay. take it with some sort of carb source. Um, but we've actually just done a study with caffeine and the way that caffeine works in the muscle and creatine, they have opposing effects. And we've actually shown that if you take creatine and caffeine at the same time, you might not get the same adaptations compared to just taking creatine alone, for example. And okay. so we just got that paper uh, published as well. And yeah, a lot of people were kind of reaching out and like, what? I can't take creatine and caffeine at the same time because a lot of people take uh, pre-workout, which yeah. contains those two supplements. But I would suggest maybe caffeine before training, if that's what you need and uh, take creatine after training to reduce the interference effect. Awesome, awesome. I was gonna bring up carbs, protein, that kind of stuff as well, but glad you, uh, you, uh, you touched on it. So is there any combination of other supplements that creatine might improve their performance that you've seen? Yeah, so we've done another study in uh, actually Taekwondo athletes. Cool. And we did a, a kicking test and there is, we looked at the combined effects of creatine and sodium bicarbonate. So sodium bicarbonate is baking soda. 
So you can, everyone has that in their, in their uh, kitchen already. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you mix that with water, you can actually, it acts as a buffer. So anytime you're doing really intense exercise, you can, you produce these things called hydrogen ions and uh, those ultimately cause you to slow down and get tired and feel those, your legs burning. Um, so if you can buffer those things and one way to buffer it is with sodium bicarbonate, um, that can enhance exercise performance. And so we've, we showed that. So if they took sodium bicarbonate, they improved their kicking tests. Um, and then we also showed that creatine was a benefit. So if you took creatine alone, it can improve your kicking test. Um, but if you took both supplements, you actually got an even greater effect. Oh, so, cool. which was, which was pretty cool. So the only thing I would suggest with sodium bicarbonate is there is, um, so, there's a high uh, reporting of gastrointestinal distress. So you might shit your pants if you take <laughs> too much creatine, but, uh, or too much sodium bicarbonate, sorry, not too much creatine. No, no. Sodium bicarbonate. Um, so you, there's different ways to like load with sodium bicarbonate to try to get sufficient dose over time and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'd be aware of that supplement. So don't mix too much. Be like, oh, I heard this on the podcast and I'm going to mix a bunch of sodium bicarbonate. You're going to be paying the price pretty quickly. Well, and that's because I've personally, that's why I'm last over because I personally did that, you know, because you hear something, you're like, it's got to be safe. Like, this is fine. You know what I mean? So we, uh, uh, me and of course, a couple of training partners. Well, yeah, let's do some sprints and we'll, we'll, we'll be faster just by taking baking soda. This is going to be awesome. We didn't make it to the training session that day, but. Um, so I'd love to see that kind of same idea with, uh, be, again, with hockey being a very, uh, it, with operating that lactate threshold so often to see creatine and sodium bicarbonate kind of together or the same sort of test on them. I think we'd see some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where's the other one? Yeah. So is there anything else that might interfere with the uptake of creatine that besides caffeine? That's the only supplement that I'm aware of that potentially can interfere with the uptake. Um, yeah, like I said, if you take it with uh, carbohydrates or protein, the way that that works is it actually stimulates insulin. Um, people know that carbohydrates stimulate insulin, yeah. um, but uh, protein also stimulates insulin as well. And that's why it helps with the uptake. And we actually know that if you actually combine creatine with carbohydrates, not only do you get more creatine into the muscle, but you also get more carbohydrate into the muscle. So you get more muscle glycogen. So there's some uh, studies in some sports like hockey, for example, that would burn a lot of glucose or carbohydrates or glycogen. And so even if creatine doesn't have a massive effect, having more glycogen in the muscle potentially could be of great benefit for hockey players. Well, that's super interesting. I, uh, in the uh, nutrition group that I have, we talked about glycogen loading and just uh, the amount of weight that people can expect to gain from like water being pulled in from uh, the glycogen as well. Is there like a certain amount that you, we can, I can't say count on, but just like an average that taking so much creatine will elicit so much water being pulled in? Yeah. So it's about, it's about a one to 2% uh, increase in, in water or in body weight um, from that uh, water retention. Um, so it, it is a decent amount, um, but you can avoid that a little bit by uh, not doing that loading phase. So 
uh, if you take 20 grams per day for five days, you can load your muscles. But we also know that if you just take a, a lower amount for a slightly long period, longer period of time, um, that you can also increase the amount of creatine within your muscle. And it might actually have a less effect on water retention. From doing the longer uh, protocol? Yeah. Okay, cool. Is there anything that's coming out that you've seen that, uh, or that you're, you guys have kind of in the works that uh, is super interesting, you think, to people watching and listening? Yeah, so um, we, we've done, uh, for example, that creatine caffeine study was a, a recent one that just came out. Um, we have that creatine in stroke survivors paper that we're working on as well. Um, and uh, we have that dose response creatine study to try to figure out and look at the nuances with regards to dosing strategies. And uh, yeah, so those are kind of the, the main ones that just came out. I'm working on a review right now where we're looking at uh, combining creatine with protein. So what are the real benefits with regards to that? And doesn't matter how much protein you get in your diet, um, does that influence the responsiveness to creatine? So those are some of the things that are on my radar that, uh, that I want to uh, publish. And then of course that creatine golf study. And That's now awesome. I got to do a, a creatine goaltending study <laughs> as well. So, um, <laughs> Of course, my own selfish reasons, dealing with so many players and just had uh, some of them collegiate pro levels, that kind of stuff. So always trying to find something for not just for them to perform better, but just that more longevity too. So I think we kind of get stuck, as I kind of mentioned, when it comes to sports nutrition, we get so stuck on just muscle hypertrophy and power that I think we have to think because I'm a 46 year old guy, I think I'm thinking of the long term now, not thinking of the nonsense I did to my body earlier in life. So now it's more of how can I keep people to stay, not just get them drafted into a game, but how can we keep them at that level? Yeah, absolutely. And again, creatine is shown to have less injuries, less muscle strains, less muscle cramps, enhanced performance, enhanced cognition, stronger bones. Yeah, the, the list is essentially endless and there seems to be more and more research to show the benefits of creatine. So if I was an athlete, an elite athlete at that level, I would, this would be the one supplement that I would focus on for sure. It's kind of, if this was the 1800s, we'd be selling snake oil right now. Cause that's what, it, you know what I mean? That's what it sounds like. It's like the, Oh, Oh my gosh. Kind of scenario of this is like, it's like the guy in the back alley opening up his trench coat. Hey, you want some? I, I just think it's crazy that there's something like what everyone is looking for is out there and it's so cheap and very, very safe. And they don't have to go, you know, down, maybe getting into and in, getting into peds and it's not, a, uh, a gateway for performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. Um, so when it comes, just being the, the scientist that you are, how would you explain to a parent, let's say, if their son or daughter was like, hey, uh, there's this, I read about creatine, um, what do you think I should be taking? So how would you explain to, to the parent on how safe that is for, for their, young, their young athlete? Yeah, so the, the evidence right now shows that it's extremely safe for younger individuals, adolescents, children to take creatine. Um, I would always suggest to those parents to hit those sledgehammers first. So exercise regularly, eat real food, sleep. Like if they're not doing that, don't take this supplement. You're gonna, you're just gonna get distracted focusing on the supplement than you are um, focusing on 
things that can have a much bigger impact. Um, but yeah, creatine is, is extremely safe. There's hundreds and hundreds of studies to look at creatine for the last 20, 25 years. And there's no real side effect associated with creatine. Um, so I, I, again, yeah, if you're working with athletes that really want to maximize their performance, creatine can have a, a small benefit. The way I usually explain it is uh, if you think of you're trying to build a cake. Um, so the cake is like the, you know, those main things with sledgehammers. So sleep, exercise, and eating healthy diet. Then you have icing on top. That might be like a protein supplement, for example, or hitting your uh, protein timing or whatever it be. And then creatine is like the sprinkles on top of that. So it makes the cake better, um, but it doesn't have a massive effect. So I think a lot of people think that, oh, I'm gonna take creatine, I'm gonna gain tons of muscle and lose a bunch of weight or fat mass. And it doesn't have that big effect. They're like, oh, creatine doesn't work for me. Well, it, it's the sprinkle, sprinkles on a cake. It does work, it does make it better, but it's your expectations were just high. It's kind of like not taking enough protein and you know, surfing TikTok till three in the morning. Um, if you don't have that in check, I don't really care how much of anything you're taking. It not yeah, much, absolutely. Have much of an effect. <laughs> I also wanted to comment on that last point that I've actually had people on Instagram, like message me and be like, oh, you're lining your pockets with tons of money from, you know, creatine or supplement companies. And I'm like, I've never received any money from a supplement company ever. Um, so I'm not lining my pockets. It's just, I'm just passionate about it from the science perspective. And I've done a lot of research in this area. So I understand it. And that's what gets me excited about talking about creatine. It's not that I'm trying to promote it in any way. I'm just explaining the science. Well, I think if it was honestly about money, Scott, that you would be promoting not the $20 version. You'd be promoting the $40 version just in pure honesty with everyone like creatine is literally the cheapest supplement that I think is out there and what's kind of effects that that it can help someone with if they do have everything else in check uh, if it was about money I don't think you'd be picking creatine <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> cool so anything else you want to touch on I think that uh, touches on all the major points awesome yeah. no so where can people find you Scott uh, probably the best is Instagram. So Scott underscore Forbes underscore PhD. Um, but you could also just Google search Scott Forbes Brandon University and find all my information there as well. Awesome. Again, I super appreciate the time. Great picking your brain, especially when it comes to someone that's done as much research on something like this. And it gets to reinforce my, my view on something that's so cheap and easy to use. So appreciate your time again, Scott. Um, I'm super excited. I'm sure we'll interact much more in the future too. Sounds great. Have me on anytime you want. Perfect. Thanks again. Okay. Bye.